to tell It's gonna be a great Noel It's the Advent Calendar House Muffins, black and smurfs And even Garfield's Halloween We're gonna take a trip down memory Welcome back to the Advent Calendar House. A salute to all holiday specials, but mostly the Christmas ones. This season, we happen to be ending our Christmas in July celebration on a Scrooge Sunday. So let's slide down the tail of our excavating brontosaurus back to 1994 to have a gay old time in a Flintstones Christmas Carol. I am your host of Christmas Past, Mike Westfault. That's the best rock pun I could come up with. <laughs> the next two are better. Joining me first from ToughPigs.com, please welcome back Aunt Stony Strand. Hello, Anthony. Good. Yes. Oh, so I, I, I'm in, I, I hope that was inspired by Stony Curtis, one of the one of the great Flintstones guest stars, right? I think um, that's where I got it from. I was so. looking down the list. They have a list, of course. Of course, of course. But yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me again, Mike. Absolutely. Uh, and we might answer whether the cartoon cave people exist before Christ, but this guest certainly is from after lunch. It's Mike Cole May. Hello, Mike <laughs> It's a living. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Thank you both for being here. This is going to be a fun one. So let's start, as usual, with our personal histories with watching this particular version of A Christmas Carol. Anthony, I think you brought this up a few times on your own podcast, moving right along during your Muppets Christmas Carol season. Sure. Well, we did, uh, you know, 44 episodes about Muppet Christmas Carol. So <laughs> we had, for those who don't know, my podcast is we watch two minutes of a Muppet movie each week and, and talk about them. So we had a lot of opportunities to talk about other adaptations of A Christmas Carol. Mm -hmm. And this was one that came up a lot just because my co-host Ryan and I are both you know, we grew up with the Flintstones and all that stuff. Um, it's not a particular favorite of mine. I'll, I'll say up front, I've seen it many times because that's what I'm like. And any any uh, Christmas special with familiar characters, I've probably, you know, watched it at least 10 times or something. Yeah. Uh, and that certainly qualifies here. Um, but the I think the first time I saw it would have been on TBS's Dinner in a Movie. Oh, wow. In 1997. Yeah, I huh. don't think I saw it when it was new. So, so I was born in 1984. So I was I was ten, about to turn 10 the Christmas this came out. Okay. Uh, but I don't think I saw it until they did it on dinner in a movie. And I actually went back and watched it. They did um, like Brontosaurus ribs, standing standing ribs with. um. They call it Rockshire pudding. So it's just a Yorkshire pudding. <laughs> uh, but I, I actually, I watched this with my kids tonight. And we also, I also found the dinner in a movie clips on oh, YouTube. Wow. And I was like, because it's part of the experience. Yeah. You know, that was, that, that was, that's the way I remember it. My daughter actually kind of enjoyed it. Okay. Uh, my, my son, who's younger, who's only five, was just like, what is this? Why, why are we doing this? <laughs> yeah. Like, that's, that's a lot of layers for a five year old. Yeah, well, and, and he, he didn't understand, you know, they would keep throwing back and be like, now, now back to 
Flintstones Christmas Carol or whatever. And then they wouldn't show it because it was just a YouTube compilation of the host clips. Mm. Oh, so okay. that was really frustrating for my son. He was just like, why sure. are we watching this movie again? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> so yeah, that's my, and then I, you know, it's just whatever. Watch it when it's on, that sort of thing. Yeah. Michael, how about you? Do you remember the first time watching this? Yeah, I do. Because it was like this past week. <laughs> Yesterday, maybe. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, yeah, so this, this it came out in the 90s. And I was a little surprised to find out it was that late, actually, just because I, I think uh, there are a couple of clues during it that it's maybe like not, um, you know, from the original like 60s run, which is what like the reruns of that are what I was familiar with, with the Flintstones. And, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of the, you know, the designs are still the same, um, with some exceptions. Pebbles, you could tell that she's kind of like a more of an updated yes. version of Pebbles. Um and the voices are pretty close um, to the, the, the people doing the voices are pretty, pretty good. Right. Well, and and Jean Vanderpil yes. was was still Wilma at this point. Yep. Yeah. I, I yeah. think she's the only one really of the of the main cast. Who was I think right. you're right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, it threw me a little bit to find out it was in, in the 90s. Um, and I just I don't know. I think I was had kind of moved on past the Flintstones at that point in my life because I'm right. considerably older than 1980. Um, when you were born? 1980? 84. 84. Yes. 84 and I'm 80. So Yeah, 67 here. So. Oh, okay. sure. <laughs> um, yeah, so I just, I, I kind of had, I guess, wasn't really into the Flintstones in the 90s. But uh, um, yeah, so it was fun to, you know, see a different, like a new version or new, a new story with those characters. And I was kind of curious, like how they were going to do it because, um, you know, there are so many different ways to adapt a Christmas Carol, especially when you're laying it over, you know, established characters, you know, are they just going to, a la Mickey's Christmas Carol, just, they are those characters or is there going to be like a story within a story like Mr. Magoo? Um, so I was curious about all of it. Yeah. They took the Magoo route here. I was very surprised. And even like much more than Mr. Magoo, where it's just like a very brief framing device. Oh, yeah. This one, it's like at least a third of the running time is devoted to like not the play. Right. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. Yeah. 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 With Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol, it was just Mr. Magoo shows up to do the play. They do the play. They have a curtain call at the end and that is it. But this is woven into it. This this B plot. Right. Yeah. I watched this, I want to say, a year or so after it first aired. So, A Flintstones Christmas Carol debuted on ABC on November 21st, 1994. That was the Monday before Thanksgiving. Hmm. But I'm pretty sure I first watched it a few years later on Cartoon Network. I definitely remember that because the week of Thanksgiving, that was in the mid nineties when they would start airing every Christmas special they had in a marathon that week of Thanksgiving. And I've already talked about a lot of those specials in past episodes. They would show He-Man and She-Ra and the Smurfs and Pac-Man. And I'd seen all of those before, but this one was newer to me. It it came out the same year as the Flintstones movie with John Goodman. So I was Mm. surprised at that. Well, and did you cover a Flintstone family Christmas? Have, have you covered that? Not that one. I did. It was called a Flintstone Christmas. That's from the 70s. Sure. That's but. the one from the 70s. So there's another one called a Flintstone family Christmas that aired a year before this. Right. Like there's a 1993 special, which is just about like 
um, they find like an orphan and take him in for Christmas. I mean, it's, it's like, right. it's like real treacly, you know, <laughs> yeah. at your heartstrings kind of stuff. But uh, it's just weird to me that they did new Flintstones Christmas specials two years in a row in the nineties. That was yeah. a little weird. Well, and, and like one of them was before the movie, like this one, the same year as the movie. I kind of get that. Right. Yeah. Cause it's like Flintstones mania is back. Right? Yep. Whatever, yeah. You know? yeah. But yeah, the one before that's strange too, because that, uh, that had the adult pebbles and bam, bam in it. Right. Cause well, cause they got married too. There's a, there's a TV movie where they get married. Right. And then another one where they have kids. Mm-hmm. And then I think they, they have the twins in that. Okay. That Christmas special. Huh? So it's like, the, there was like this continuity in the early nineties. Right. Of like the Flintstones are growing up. And then this one, they're like, well, but Bam Bam needs to be Tiny Tim. So right. <laughs> we, we got to turn back the clock. Well, according to, I think it was the Flintstones wiki. I saw this, that Flintstone family Christmas you're talking about was the last time we saw grown up versions of Pebbles and Bam Bam. Sure. Yeah. Makes sense. So this was some sort of soft reboot. Well, the Flintstones never really went away. They're still every once in a while, they'll make a new one. Right. Well, Hanna-Barbera has been doing that weird thing where they like teamed up with the WWE. Oh, yeah. I remember that. a bunch of movies. So there's like a it's like Stone Age Smackdown or something. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> like, like John Cena's in it. And there's a Jetsons right. one. There's a like the Jetsons Robo WrestleMania. Really? Oh, I yeah. didn't know about that one. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, which is weirder because the Jetsons kind of did go away, right? Like, like after the movie yes, in in 1990, there's not, I don't think there's anything until that, that wrestling movie in in 2016 or whatever it is. Yeah. And the Flintstones kind of hung around, you know, like, do you remember when John Chris Felusi did like some Flintstone special? Oh yeah. That was terrible. It sure was. Yeah. He did the Yogi bears and then that, that Flintstone thing. Yeah. Well, They can go away forever with him. So, right, right, exactly. (laughs) But yeah, no, the Flintstones. Well, I guess if there wasn't a new special, there would certainly be a Fruity Pebbles commercial or a Cocoa Pebbles commercial. Right, right. right. Yeah. Or the the vitamins were big in the 80s and 90s. The vitamins are, they still make the vitamins. My children have had Flintstones vitamins. They don't know who they are. Sure. See, my, my kids actually love the Flintstones and the Jetsons. Oh, wow. Um, my kids are five and eight, and that's a thing that they choose to watch on, on, I guess just max now, but okay, um, often like, especially my daughter, when it's her pick, it'll like the other day, we all watched the episode of the Jetsons where Jane learns how to drive and it's all like sexist lady driver jokes in the sixties. Oh boy. And my, my kids just loved it. They were like, super <laughs> into it. <laughs> yeah, my son had a point where he was watching a whole bunch of Scooby-Doo. So I, I definitely understand that. Sure. Yeah. But uh, let's get talking about this Christmas Carol adaptation, because we've got a lot of buildup, as we said, before the actual story of a Christmas Carol can begin. So if you want to watch a Flintstones Christmas Carol, it is streaming on Boomerang, or you can rent it on YouTube movies or Prime Video. I also found a few VHS recordings hiding on the Internet Archive. If you want to. Oh, that makes sense. Go scouring for those and watch a grainy version with commercials the way God intended. Can I say where I watched this? Sure. I checked it out of the library. Nice. In a four movie. Let me find it. I want to make sure I have all the titles right, because it was. okay. It was a DVD called Four Kid Favorites Holiday Family Fun. Huh. 
And the four kid favorites were A Flintstones Christmas Carol, Yogi Bear's All-Star Comedy Christmas Caper, hmm. Jack Frost, and A Miser Brothers Christmas. The, oh, the one boy. from like 2008. Yeah. Yeah. Which is awful. So is Jack Frost the, the rank and bass one? Yeah, Jack Frost is the ranking okay. special from the 70s. Huh. And then Yogi's All-Star Comedy Christmas Caper is not Yogi's First Christmas. No, which is that's like the, different. The, the, the classic one, I think, if, if there is one. Yeah, that's the good one. Yeah, with the ski lodge. Yeah. Yeah, this is just like a bunch of goof, goof arounds, you know? Like, right. OK, I know of that one. I haven't watched it yet, but sure. OK. I happen to have my own copy of this without commercials, but. Like that's going to stop me from throwing my own in the middle of this episode. But <laughs> let's not get ahead of ourselves. We open on a snowy downtown bedrock on Christmas Eve as a mob of bloodthirsty shoppers come run into Blooming Shale's department store, trample over a poor bell ringing Santa at the entrance. He's all right and good thing because we find out he's one of the players in that night's bedrock community theater production of A Christmas Carol. So like we said, we're doing this thing again where it's actually characters we know putting on a play that we get to watch. Characters we know and many characters we don't know. Right. A lot. But but who get names. Like it'll be like Wilma will be like, hi, Ernie, or whatever to the yeah. of Christmas <laughs> present. There is uh, one or two that I will have to shout out a little later on because one is actually important, but... I don't know how you feel about this framing device, but I enjoy it every time where we're watching them put on a play. Hey, I, I enjoy it in this one. I, I don't enjoy it in uh, Mr. Magoo because like what you guys were talking about, where, you know, he's just, he shows up and does a little Mr. Magoo shtick. And then it's just basically the play for the runtime and then takes about at the end. But I, I like, I guess I like the idea that we're seeing Fred and Wilma and, Barney and Betty and their shenanigans, you know, kind of interspersed throughout this. So it's not just, uh, you know, so here's another kind of abbreviated adaptation of A Christmas Carol, but it's also like new story. And I don't know, we can talk about the quality of the new story. I think some things are better than others, but um, but it's it was fun to uh, uh, to spend time with the characters again and, 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 you know, see Fred being Fred. Yep. And and he's extremely Fred in this. Extremely yeah. Fred. <laughs> Over the top Fred. He is in the lead role as Ebonezer Scrooge. That's another <laughs> layer we have in this. Everybody's got a rock pun name. So that's always fun. And Ebonezer is so sweaty. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it doesn't sound like bone when you say Ebonezer. It just sounds like you're saying Ebenezer weird. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Most of the time. Yeah. It took me about halfway through before I realized, oh, he's saying Ebonezer. I don't think and I did yeah. this until the tombstone. At the right. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> but Craggit, I noticed right away. Yeah. Craggit's an easy one to, <laughs> hey. But, right. Well, and of, and of course, we'll we'll say this when he shows up, but. And it's not a rock pun, but they changed nephew Fred's name to Ned so that he's not doesn't have the same name as Fred Flintstone. Oh. No. Yeah, that's I was wondering about that at first. I'm just like, why is he Ned? Oh, because they already have a Fred. Yeah, that that must be why. Right. So that kids aren't like, yeah, oh, why is that yeah. guy Fred? You know, or whatever. <laughs> it's like the no homers club. You can have one. You can have one. Yeah. <laughs> But Fred has let community theater stardom go straight to his head. 
<laughs> yeah, he has. <laughs> I don't know how much theater y'all have been involved in, but have you ever had to deal with one of these I'm the star types? Um, no. But my theater experience has all been behind the scenes. Uh, I've run soundboards for some productions. Okay. Um, so I didn't get the uh the backstage drama. Um, but yeah, Fred is uh he's quite the diva. Oh yeah. That's the word I was looking for. Diva. Thank you. <laughs> they went with ham, which is also correct. Yeah. But I haven't personally had to a run in with someone of this caliber. My kids are in theater, but like every kid and parent we've encountered have been sweet and supportive to my knowledge. I don't know. Maybe. they. <laughs> but when they start that young, I think they do a good job of weeding out any sort of behavior. I mean, like, look, we don't act like this. It's a yeah. community theater. This is school when they do it in school. Right. Right. Sure. Yeah. Wilma is already tired of hearing Fred. It turns <laughs> out she is the stage manager. So she's mm -hmm. the real star of the show. Right. Mm -hmm. Ah, humbug. <laughs> oh, you're going to knock him dead tonight, Freddy boy. Wilma, am I a great Scrooge or what? Oh, you're a great Scrooge, Fred, but you're no help. It turns out she's doing last-minute wardrobe adjustments because of the real villain of the story. It turns <laughs> out the costume designer has fallen sick to something called the bedrock bug. Yep. And now I remember why I waited a few years to do this one. It's gross. Damn. <laughs> We actually, uh, so I mentioned my kids watch this with me and one bed, when we see the, when we actually see a person with the bedrock bug turning green, my, I swear to you, this is something my five-year-old son said tonight. This is not a, like a cute thing I'm putting in the mouth of a child. My son turns to me and goes, this part should be called yabba dabba yuck. <laughs> so, that's true. That, that happened. Oh, <laughs> put that on the back of the box. Miles Strand, age five, seven for raves. Yabba dabba yuck. Oh, perfect. Oh, yeah. he's got a future as a critic. I love it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, so Wilma's got her hands full. Fred can't even bother helping her with anything. He's got lines to practice despite feeling very comfortable with them. But he keeps looking at his playbill all until, like, curtain up. And that leaves Wilma to have to go change pebbles, a scene we absolutely need, because it's not Christmas until I hear a tiny prehistoric bird using his beak as a diaper pin tell me it's a living. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the Flintstones are all about, Charlie Brown. It's true. It's true. Uh, I will note the voice of Pebbles is different from last time. It's now Russie Taylor. R.I.P. Russie. Yeah. She started voicing Pebbles, at least in her baby form, as early as 1980 and did so until her death in 2019. Wow. Wow. Yeah, because it was it was uh, Sally Struthers for a while, wasn't it? In the... I in think the 70s in the Pebbles and Bam Bam show. Yeah. Like as, as teen Pebbles, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. But now that we're back to baby Pebbles, Rusty Taylor gets to talk baby talk. Great. So even with all of this going on, it's still a work day. So friend gets ready to leave and almost forgets about Pebbles, whom he has to drop off at cave care. <laughs> 
And Wilma lets Fred walk out of the house while trying to yell after him, don't forget to pick up pebbles after work because I have to get to the theater early. You know he didn't hear any of that, Wilma. You weren't even trying. It's true. I know this isn't your fault, but don't let your neglectful husband endanger your kid. (laughs) Well, and also she's in the show. Like Pebbles is in the show, too. Pebbles is in the show. So she needs, even if they, like, left her at the daycare, it would be bad because of neglectful parenting. Right. Well, at least she'd be safe at daycare, but also she would be missing a performance that she's in. Right. And it's at Cave Care where we find Bam Bam. And we learn he's also in the play tonight. He's playing Tiny Tim. And he's got his one line down pat. God bless us, everyone. He says it many times. Many times. Did, and so I, I'm not as up on, uh, you know, current Flintstones as you guys, but was that weird hearing him speak words other than Bam Bam to you guys? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Very weird. When he said, God bless us, everyone, I was like, you're speaking whole sentences. <laughs> right. <laughs> and actually, before we watched this, I was talking to my kids because my daughter saw this at her cousin's house like this past. Oh, wow. Christmas. Huh. Yeah. Um, like I said, like she's she's truly a Flintstones fan. Yeah. Um, and I was like, what? So what does like Barney say? Oh, Tiny Tim wanted to say, God bless us, everyone. She's like, no. Bam Bam says it in a baby voice. And I'm just like, what? And then we watched it and she, and she was right. Yeah, it is still Don Messick voicing Bam Bam. Great. Which is, he died not too long after this, right? Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't too long ago. Let's see. 1997. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, only three years after this. Right. But he's one of those guys, too, who it's like really great to hear him. Because yes. he was still around from the original series at this point. He was. You, mm-hmm. you know, he was he was Bam Bam in 1963. He sure was. And he does a few other voices in this. Yeah. Also in the performance tonight are the kids cave care provider, Miss Feldspar. Mr. Flintstone, aren't you nervous about your performance tonight? I know I am. Are you kidding? I've been rehearsing night and day. And then leaves without saying goodbye to his daughter. Yeah, that is heartbreaking. <laughs> she's reaching out. You know, she's like, Dad, she's like, kiss dad. Kiss dada, hug dada. I'm like, oh, they are really driving the point home as hard as they can right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't stop. He gets to work. His nose is buried in his script, which he knows. And he inadvertently injures several of his co-workers in the process, <laughs> including stepping on Barney's foot. Barney's a new voice. This is after the death of Mel Blanc. So Frank Welker is the voice of Barney Rubble now. Yeah. And Dino, of course. Right. Which is good. He sounds like him. I think it works. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Frank, obviously, Frank Welker, a legend also. Like, oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, maybe the legend, like, you know, of the last 50 years in, in American TV voice acting, right? But yeah, I don't know voice actors' names, but I know Frank. I know Walker. Yeah, name. right. Sure, exactly. But if anyone is a little too serious about getting into their role at work, besides Fred, it is our would-be Belle, who is played by a buxom blonde cave woman named Maggie Magma. <laughs> <laughs> She's so hot. You, <laughs> Mr. Moonstone, oh. want to rehearse our big? Let's see. <laughs> Happy to oblige, Maggie. A great act 
Tor is always ready to rehearse. Ooh. This is so ridiculous. <laughs> it will end up the like the like porno music that plays when she comes out. <laughs> the saxophone music. It's awful. It's such such a mess. Oh, and her voice is like breathless. She's doing like over the top Marilyn Monroe voice. Uh, uh, right. And she's just like, and she calls Fred Scroogey. Scroogey. Yeah. She's like, hey Scroogey, I can't wait for our performance later. Our on. love scene. Our love scene. She said, our love scene. What love scene? Yeah. You share a scene and a half and you dump him. <laughs> Will was really upset about that love scene, too. She sure is. <laughs> uh, the voice of Maggie is Marsha Clark, a character actor who's mostly known for soap operas. But you know how soap operas are. One of her characters on Guiding Light got killed in an explosion. And another one on One Life to Live got recast later that season. <laughs> To the actress she had replaced, so. Sure, that's how it goes, yeah. Yeah. But Maggie runs at Fred and there would be passionate kiss that's apparently part of a Christmas carol now. <laughs> it is stopped by Mr. Slate, or more accurately, Mr. Slate's Slate. Yep, there it is. Which contains his script. Yes, the boss is in the show, too. He'll be playing Jacob Marbley. No, <laughs> that might be my favorite one. It's a good uh, one. Yeah, it's a good it one. Good it's one. real good. <laughs> Flintstone, you're not the only one on the play tonight. Ooh. Uh, no, Mr. Slate, but I am the star. Is that so? Mr. Slate argues he would have made a better Scrooge, but then cheerfully tells all his co-workers who are in the play that night that they can leave after lunch with pay. So that sounds a little out of character for Mr. Slate. Slate's never been a bad boss. He just runs a tight quarry. Yeah. Right. And this is this is still um, John Stevenson as Mr. Slate, also from the original series. Still John Stevenson. Yep. Which which that's one of those things where it's like, just like, what a, what a strange gig, you know? Because this is, he's a guy who did a lot of live action TV. He wasn't yes. primarily, yep. he did other voice acting, but like primarily he was a character actor on, you know, he'd show up on Bonanza or whatever. And so just the fact that 30 years later, they're calling him in to play Mr. Slate in Flintstone specials. <laughs> yeah. like, it must have been weird for him. It must. Because he's not Don Messick. He's not Frank Walker. I don't know. I got to imagine it's the same sort of feeling that when they decided, hey, let's bring the Jetsons back 20 years later out of nowhere and bring the whole cast back. That must have been something. Right, well, have you ever heard Andrea Romano talk about that? No. I want to say this was on the Nerdist podcast years okay. ago. So, you know, obviously Chris Hardwick, not my favorite person, but yeah, well, um, the interview is real good. And she talked about like how George O'Hanlon was blind and like not working at all. Right. At that time. And she would like go over to his house to do all his recording as George. And she would like feed him the lines and he would say them back, you know? Yeah. And he was like so excited to be doing it because he hadn't been working at all. For like over a decade. So it really was like quite an experience to get the whole or Jetson's cast back together. It's cool. He had the time of the last few years of his life doing that. Right. Exactly. So during work, Fred's still trying to rehearse with Barney, who's playing the role of Bob Craggett. Not bad. It's all right. <laughs> 
Uh, Fred is accusing Barney of not taking his acting seriously. And look, I know it's the last workday before Christmas, and that means no real work is going to get done. But Barney's at least trying to do his job. Uh Right. Fred's like, we got to run lines, Bon. And it's Fred who's not paying attention and inadvertently dumps a big dinosaur mouthful of snow right onto Barney. (laughs) It's true. And that dinosaur excavator is victim number two of the bedrock bug, just as the lunch whistle blows. Turns out it affects both cave people and dinosaurs. That's -hmm. very serious. And right about here is when Barney reminds Fred tomorrow is Christmas and he's got to get home and wrap presents. And that's when Fred realizes, oh, no, I still have shopping to do for my wife and child. Yep, Fred. So that got me wondering, has either of you ever found yourself doing very last minute shopping on Christmas Eve? No, I used to do it intentionally. I used to save one present for Christmas Eve, just so I could have an excuse to go out to the mall and be in the madness. But I would always know, like, I already have the the present picked out. I'd know what store I was going to, but I just kind of wanted to be out in it. Okay. Ah. Um, But I've never like accidentally like forgotten and had to go out just because. Yeah. I will do that for stocking stuffers and things. Sure. Well, in my adult life, we always travel either to my wife's family or mine for Christmas. Mm -hmm. So we're never, at home on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day ever, mm. you know? So you have to be all set. We got to make sure we have everything ready. Yeah. Before yeah. we leave. Yeah. I think the latest I waited to get something for my wife that I didn't know what I was getting was the 23rd. And occasionally we'll get something for each other that won't ship until after the 25th. First time that happened, she was very apologetic to me. And I just shrugged Aww. and I shouted, grown up Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and that is now a running joke with us every year. Cause I can't be mad about stuff like that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Grown up Christmas. This happens. That's great. Yep. We got our priorities straight. It's magical for the kids. And that's what makes it magical for us. Right. Mm-hmm. But Fred completely forgot to get something to put under the tree for Wilma or Pebbles. So it's off to Blooming Shales and on to the long neck dinosaur scale escalators. Yeah. <laughs> that might be my favorite animal appliance in this. Yeah, it's a good one. Better than the diaper pen. <laughs> so Fred buys Wilma a very nice dress and a saber tooth necklace. Oh, excuse me. It's not real saber tooth. Yeah, they're they're endangered. Yes. (laughs) He gets Pebbles a cute little stuffed Pigasaurus named Jurassic Pork. That's pretty good. 1994. 1994. (laughs) I had to to look up, was Jurassic Park the hottest toy of 94? And it was up there, but uh, number one went to Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Oh, sure. Yeah. So Fred got what he needs. Thankfully, he didn't leave home without his Mesozoic Express card. But now he's going to get them gift wrapped. And that line is long. Yeah. And listen, Fred should have just said, forget the wrapping. When I was growing up, Santa didn't wrap our stuff. Oh, is that right? Really? No, it's just there around the tree. They didn't need to be wrapped. Okay. Get a bow and call it a day. Yeah. Ours was always wrapped. We just did it at home. Like, Yeah, same. That's what we do now. We got their muslin bags with the kids names on them and santa brings those every year and they'll have the stuff from santa in there and then everything else is wrapped that's from us or family but it's obviously never seen love actually (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, the scene with uh, Rowan Atkinson in there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, but but Fred insists on getting the wrap, so he gives his number in line to a kid with a much higher number, tells him to get it wrapped and wait for Fred to get back. And off Fred goes to the theater in time. So Wilma doesn't kill him, but guess what? She's going to anyway, because you were supposed to get pebbles first. Yeah. Couldn't even pick up your daughter, Fred. You big dummy. He for completely forgot about it. Like he just showed up at the theater. It's like completely forgot. Yeah. He's like, I'm the star. Cause yeah, he left the, he left the store at four o'clock. He goes, Oh, it's four o'clock. I got to get to the, to the play. And I'm like, uh, Fred, she told you four o'clock pick up pebbles. Yeah. Right. Wilma says four o'clock is when you pick up pebbles. And that's what I thought he was going to say. He says, no, yeah. I got to get to the theater. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> And of course, he's driving to the theater and still going over the script in the car. That's like texting and driving, kids. (laughs) So he runs a red light, gets pulled over. But what a lucky break. The cop is Fred's childhood pal, Philo Quartz, who was a character on the Flintstone Kids. Oh, is that right? Yes. Oh, that, that rules. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. This is Philo's only other appearance outside of the Flintstone kids. So it's the only time we ever see him as an adult. Wow. Wow. That that rules. That does rule. Yeah. Love that. And I will say that his siren is my favorite. uh, (laughs) Just the bird. That's a good Good one. one. (laughs) Didn't you see that red light back there? Philo, I'm a star. I was rehearsing. Uh, Philo is voiced by uh, Renee Levant who also voiced Philo's dad in the Flintstone kids, who was also a police Uh, officer. So it's family business. I like it. Uh, I like the continuity. Renee Levant also voiced a Triceratops in We're Back, a dinosaur story from the year before this. Okay. A movie that I saw dozens of times because my grandma had the tape. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's one (laughs) of those. Did it come in the clamshell? Yeah, it's clamshell case. Yep. yep. (laughs) Actually, Actually, I'm looking. Yes, it is sitting in my home. Oh, you still have it. Oh, wonderful. So Philo lets Fred go and Fred stops home for a snack, slips on the icy patch. (laughs) (laughs) I keep telling you people. (laughs) Crashes through the front door, knocks over everything in the house as he slides headfirst into the fridge with a note from Wilma hanging off his butt that he won't read because he doesn't see it. But she left a note saying she went to the theater with Betty. See you and Pebbles there later, which would have reminded Fred to go get his child. Or I don't know. Remember, you have a child. (laughs) (laughs) He forgets that he has a kid to pick up, but he has time to go home and grab a snack before the play. Yeah. I don't know where cave care is in relation to that, but. (laughs) We need a detailed map of bedrock right now. We do. (laughs) So they finally get to the theater, and my first thought was, even the way the stage was drawn reminded me of the stage in Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol, the way it kind of zooms in. It's not one-to-one, but... Very big auditorium. Yeah. I don't know who's sitting there. It feels like everybody I know in Bedrock is in the show. Yeah. (laughs) Although it's a a very enthusiastic crowd. Oh, yeah. From the beginning. We'll see, like, when the curtain goes up, they're going nuts. Yeah. They're super patient with some really long scene changes, too. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know how many acts this is presented in, but. 
Yeah, they got a bunch of intermissions. Really? Mm -hmm. But of course, we have to pan across the orchestra pit, too, to show everyone, look at these musical instruments that are also animals. (laughs) I liked the, uh, I don't know what it was, kind of like a hipposaurus like with the the teeth and that was like the the xylophone the xylophone because i think in the pebbles and bam bam show one of their band members played something really similar to that that sounds about right i feel like did is it it wasn't that in steamboat willie too isn't that a oh yeah 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 yeah, so, yeah. i think so yeah well stage manager wilma is waiting for fred backstage and she's furious that he forgot about pebbles Thankfully, Barney got her when he picked up Bam Bam. So Fred says, see, she's fine. I don't know what you're so upset about. So Wilma storms off, leaving Fred with Betty, who is in charge of makeup at the moment. Come on, Scrooge. Uh, I mean, Fred. Let's get you into makeup and costume. This time, Betty is voiced by B.J. Ward, who voiced Betty from 1986 to 2002. Besides this, I know her best as the voice of Scarlet in G.I. Joe. Mm. Was that right? Yeah, and she also voiced Velma from Scooby-Doo for most of the 90s. I just know her as one of those cartoon voice actors. Right. Whose names you see. Mm-hmm. Betty's got a great line here to Mr. Slade, who's also in makeup. I still say I should have played Scrooge. You've got a very important role, Mr. Slade. Besides, that'd be typecasting. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty good. And then the makeup process to transform Mr. Slade into the ghost of Jacob Marbley is cutting a rope and dumping a hanging bag of flour all over him. (laughs) Which turns him translucent. Which turns him translucent. I got some questions about that coming Uh, up later. I do, too. I do, too. I have theories about it as well. (laughs) Yeah. But finally, 15 minutes into this, we get to the actual production of A Christmas Carol. We even have a narrator playing the role of Charles Brickens. Uh, and this was a surprise when I looked it up. He is voiced by John Reese davies Yeah. As for Scrooge, he was a squeezing, wrenching, grasping, clutching, covetous old sinner. Hard and sharp as flint. I knew he had a great voice. I did not pick up that that's who that was. That <laughs> yeah. Fantastic voice. Yeah, although let's to be clear, let's let's talk about where John Reese Davies was in his career, specifically in 1994, because it was not at its peak. No, mm. it's in between two of his peaks. This is right. a few years after Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and quite a few years before the Lord of the Rings would get started. Right. So around this, I mean, he was doing a lot of cartoon voice where he was on Gargoyles right around this time. Oh, yeah. As as Macbeth, where he's incredible. Right. And he was just about to start the series Sliders. Oh, that's right. Mm. Sliders. He was the like exposition professor. Yeah. On the show Sliders. Yeah. I don't know why I always think Sliders started later than that. I think it was 95. I think it was like like months after this. It was mid-season 94, 95, I believe. Okay. Let me double check. I should. You know, I got the internet in my house. I can can double check. (laughs) Let's see. Yeah, it premiered in March of 1995. So, yeah, just a few months after this. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, you know, and that's kind of what I knew him from as a kid, because my brother loved that shit. When I realized that is who Gimli was, was like, oh, and then I much later, I connected him to Indiana Jones. Right. Which he's he's in the new one. 
he's in Dial of Destiny. Oh, nice. You know, he's just like, ah, oh, Indy, we're we're both very old now. Or you know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember what he says. He says something. <laughs> but he does a wonderful job as narrator here. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was great. He has he has one of the great voices, truly. Yep. So here we go. Curtain up. We have a flock of birds just above stage to shed some tail feathers to create our snow, which was a nice touch. Fred forgets his cane, which Wilma helpfully throws at his head. (laughs) (laughs) A little backstage tension. And after all his dramatic line reading in his actor voice, Fred plays Scrooge in his normal Fred voice for this whole show. It feels awfully warm in here, Crockett. Have you been using all my coal again? For us, it's fine. We came here to see Fred Flintstone as Scrooge, and that's exactly what we're getting. But really, I'm more bummed we don't get a more playful Barney. But I mean, who else is going to play Bob Craggett? Right, right. Much like Kermit the Frog two years earlier. That's right. Barney kind of has to like not quite be himself because he just has to be like a a meek employee. Yeah, he's got a job to do. And I suppose you want the whole day off. Oh, please, sir. It is Christmas. So I think the opening narration here was mostly faithful to Dickens, right? Yeah. 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 I think, I mean, it's condensed, of course. Sure. But like, there's a, there's a lot of the book in this special. There really is. I was surprised. Yeah. A lot more than I remembered, frankly. Yeah. Even some parts that I wasn't expecting, and we'll, we will get to those. But Yeah, right. But here's where we start to see some differences in the details. Usually, we're used to seeing Bob Cratchit have to convince Scrooge to let him have Christmas Day off. And here, almost right out of the gate, Fred Scrooge acknowledges it's a holiday and is happy about saving coal. That's a new one. Yeah, that's not bad. It's kind of, it's kind of a nice twist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Still ticked off about having to pay Bob. Yeah, still, I suppose you'll want the entire day off, but still an interesting turn of that scene. Mm-hmm. As Scrooge goes into his counting room and we get our first visitor, it's Scrooge's nephew, Ned. Merry Christmas, Uncle. Christmas? Humbug. Christmas a humbug, Uncle? Surely you don't mean that. Voiced by Will Ryan, who did a lot of familiar voices, including Petrie from The Land Before Time. Grubby from Teddy Ruxpin, and also voiced several Disney characters in the 80s, including Goofy, Tigger, Rabbit, Willie the Giant, and Pete. Wow. Which means Will Ryan has voiced two Christmas ghosts in Mickey's Christmas Carol. Nice. And he played Willie the Giant, and I think consistently until he died. Consistently until he died. Like he, which is just in, just in 2021. I mean, he right. just died. Mm-hmm. Like through all of the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse and Roads to Racers and all of that, he was the voice of Willie the Giant. Right. He was on there all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so the thing that I know Will Ryan best for is, so I'm not, I can't say as an adult that I'm a fan of the organization Focus on the Family, but uh, they produced a radio show for years, still do, since 1987. They've been putting out a radio show called Adventures in Odyssey. Oh, And when I was a child, I listened to it every single night. And uh, Will Ryan played one of the main characters, Eugene Melsner. Okay. Who's like a very enthusiastic nerd. And (laughs) um, and, and like the the thing about this show is that the voice talent couldn't possibly have been better. And still, I mean, like 
at various points, the main characters on this show have been played by Hal Smith, Alan oh, wow. Young, wow. Janet Waldo, um, Townsend Coleman, uh, Jess <laughs> Harnell, you know. Um, okay, yeah. Mark Evan Jackson. Wow. Uh, just, I, I mean, like real, like, like top shelf voice talent. Yeah. And, 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 and Will Ryan. And uh, he's basically doing Eugene's voice here as Ned. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's like that hint of an English accent, which I'm not sure why he's doing because because Fred isn't. Uh, but otherwise, it's just like, oh, hey, it's Eugene Meltzer. What's up? <laughs> like, I can't I can't hear anything else when I when I see him, you know, he was the first character who came in because, yes, Fred is doing his normal Fred voice and Barney is doing his normal Barney voice because these are characters we know. Ned's not a character we know. So when he comes in and doesn't have an English accent, that threw me off. Sure. Yeah. And and his his uh, conversation with Fred, with Scrooge, is like right out of the book. Very by the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's kind of they didn't have to do this. They didn't. No, they didn't. But I'm, I'm glad they did. It's it's very interesting. Well, and like on on my podcast, uh, moving right along, when we did Muppet Christmas Carol, every episode I would go over like what's changed from the book, what's in the book. Yes. And that's a thing where people talk all the time about how faithful it is. Right. Mm-hmm. Muppet Christmas Carol. No one ever sits around talking about how faithful Flintstone's Christmas Carol is <laughs> to the book, but like, it's kind of similar in the way that it uses a lot of the original text. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would say it is easily as faithful, if not more so, but right around the same level as the Muppet Christmas Carol, as far as faithfulness to Dickens is. Mm-hmm. I mean, to Brickens, of course. To Brickens, pardon me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're always going to have those caveats. <laughs> Two Marley brothers? But. Right. Yeah, that's true. So Ned leaves, and then in walk are two solicitors, played by two more of Fred's co workers. They're collecting for the Piltdown Charity Foundation. Piltdown is the name they're using to stand in for London here. And that is an interesting reference. Because of the Piltdown Man? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. I didn't know what the Piltdown Man was. Oh, really? So I had to look it up. So for the unfamiliar, the Piltdown Man was the discovery of what was said to be the missing link of an early human ancestor, but it turned out to be some guy faked it with a modern human skull and the jawbone of an orangutan. Right. Um, do you want to know where I learned about the Piltdown Man as a child? Tell me. In one of the Encyclopedia Brown books of facts. Nice. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like not, you know how they had the obviously the mystery books, but then it also just sure. like a big book of trivia. And it was in one of those. It was like okay. the Piltdown Man story who was in there. <laughs> That's amazing. Sure. That's what I was like. Hey, all right. <laughs> I had the uh, the Charlie Brown cyclopedia. It was not in that. Oh, nice. But Fred cuts to the chase more quickly than other Scrooges we've covered during this scene. He doesn't toy around with are there no workhouses. He tells him straight up front, what I collect, I keep. Yeah, which is good, which is very Scrooge. Like- oh, yeah. He does go on to say he supports the workhouses. He sees the gentleman out after the old surplus population comment. He dismisses Craggett immediately following that, and then he heads home himself after rolling a giant boulder in front of the front door. My kids both laughed out loud at that, that that was the lock, was the giant boulder. (laughs) Which is weird, because when he goes home, he has a key. (laughs) That's true. 
You so you're saying that Marbley's face should be on a giant boulder <laughs> instead of not. <laughs> the boulders added security for the for the counting house, I guess. That's where the money is. So Scrooge walks not to his usual melancholy tavern, but home as he passes a couple of kids having a snowball fight in the street. And here is where I have to ask, how big is this stage? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. This scene looks like it's several blocks because it's at this point, I think the animators just forgot, oh, this is supposed to be a play on a stage and they accidentally drew an entire town. Right. Well, like later, we're going to see them, uh, Fred and and Wilma, as the Ghost of Christmas Past, like fly over an entire city. Like Flying. Yeah. yeah. And translucent. It's, like, it's, it's not just the ghosts that are translucent, but they're translucent. Like the special effects budget is crazy. It really is. On this. It is it is off the charts. Yeah. For a community theater, especially <laughs> one that's using bird feathers as snow. Yeah, and the and the snow, like they they quickly drop that, right? Because the snow, like on the stage in the snowball fights, like that is clearly actual snow, like the way it's drawn. Yeah, it looks like legitimate snow, especially here with the kids having the snowball fight. Yeah. One snowball knocks off Scrooge's hat and Scrooge calls the cops on him, (laughs) says that juvenile delinquent assaulted my hat. And he makes the constable bring the kid to Scrooge's house and then makes him shovel a path to his front door. I guess that's appropriate punishment for ruining a dude's hat. (laughs) (laughs) It is a nice hat. You got to shovel my walk. (laughs) And then here's where we get the classic version of Marbley's ghost. Replacing Scrooge's saber-toothed tiger head knocker. (laughs) And again, special effects. Yeah, that's the impressive one because he morphs into it. It's not just superimposed onto his head like you and I have seen in some some old films, Michael. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So the way I end up having to read this is that what we are seeing is not the actual play. Like they are Mm. showing us. You know, kind of like when you're in the audience and you're watching a play, you kind of have to do your own adjustments, right? To imagine yeah. whatever the story is. And so that's what we're seeing is what the audience would be imagining the story to be, not what's actually happening on stage. As someone who has had to recently build a set for the show Frozen and including a trap door to make the Elsa dress transformation. Mm. And we did. It was beautiful, but... I definitely appreciate that a lot of time went into whatever they're doing to make all these special effects happen. Yeah. Yeah. I am a bit disappointed that they shortened Scrooge's lines here. He dismisses Marbley as a vision caused by his leftover gruel, but he doesn't get to make that more of gravy than of grave about you joke. Right. I mean, it. yeah, it should be more of granite <laughs> I don't know more of, <laughs> there's more, more of gravy granite. than of granite <laughs> yeah right, right but besides that most of the dialogue in this scene is surprisingly very faithful to the source material you were always a good man of business mankind was my business the common welfare was my business charity mercy and benevolence were all my Even as Marbley leaves, we see some other tortured spirits outside. We don't really stay on them, and it's not a whole sky full of them, but I counted maybe two others. Mm. 
And that's a lot more than we see in other adaptations. Yeah. So a lot of them was just skip that whole part. Yeah. So Scrooge retires to bed. The curtain closes and Fred jumps out of bed to head backstage and immediately tells Barney, you hear that crowd? They love me. <laughs> yeah. It's our first big intermission coming. It's our first big intermission. Yeah. I guess they're doing this in three acts. And Barney takes off his wig that looks exactly like his own hair, but with sideburns. <laughs> and he's got glasses, right? And he's got glasses. Yeah, yeah. Wilma's still mad at Fred, but he's got to head back out on stage for the next act. Meanwhile, here's where we find out Miss Feldspar, the cave care provider who was supposed to play the ghost of Christmas past, has caught the bedrock bug. Mm. Remember that? That's victim number three, if you count the dinosaur. Daycare will do that to you. Yes, it will. <laughs> of course, she's the first. That makes perfect sense now that you say that. We will return to a Flintstones Christmas Carol on Cartoon Theater's Holiday Spectacular. Fred Flintstone. Who are you? The ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future. Start sharing your Cocoa Pebbles with poor Bonnie Rubble or this is your fate. Oh, no! I can change. I can share. See? Mmm, chocolatey taste. How's my future look now? Be no kids? Barney! Be nice, Daddy. Santa's watching you. Happy holidays, Bon. Yay! Host Cocoa Pebbles cereal, part of the Spoon Breakfast. Bless everyone. Hey, you're watching Flintstones Christmas Carol on TBS's Dinner and a Movie. You just love the holidays, Paul. You know, everyone's got that better hustle and bustle. There's an excitement in the air. People decorating, families getting together for meals. Everyone's all happy. Happy? Those are the people that get on my nerves around <laughs> the holidays. I love that stuff, and I really love the whole dinner and family gathering aspect. And actually, you know, for our dinner tonight, we're making a rather traditional British meal in keeping with the uh, Charles Dickens aspect, the Kenyan theme of our show. Yeah, right. that's right. And um, well, let's show people what they need. Okay, uh, for your vegetables, you want some Brussels sprouts, some small onions, some mm -hmm. small red or new potatoes. Mm -hmm. We're going to be making our own version of Yorkshire, or as we're calling it, Rockshire, Rockshire because of the French stones. Yeah, yeah. And you're going to need eggs and flour and milk, and then beautiful. Of course, your the centerpiece of the meal, mm -hmm. the standing rib roast, which is essentially the same thing as uh, as prime rib. We've left the bones on because it looks like the thing that Fred eats, and it also makes it a little more tender. That's right. Uh, this is the first cut, which is the most tender cut of a uh, rib roast, and we're uh, going to coat it with olive oil, which uh, will help it brown very nicely. Mm -hmm. We'll be covering that with salt and pepper paste. And then our sauce? We're making our own horseradish sauce with horseradish and sugar and pepper and sour cream. It's going to be so delicious. You're going to be in such a holiday mood. The holiday spirit is just going to fill you. You're going to be so excited. You're getting there? All right, that's enough. Okay. <laughs> Back to the Flintstones Christmas Carol. Well, as they say, the show must go on and left with no one else who knows the ghost of Christmas past lines or who can fit inside her dress better than Wilma. Right. We got the tinkly music with the dress. <laughs> right. Just <laughs> weird. So she fills in and gives Fred a real shock, as well as a bonk on the head with what looks like a very heavy rock pillow. Uh-huh. And I've got to hand it to Fred. He handles this sudden change as professionally as he can. Yeah, yeah, as he can. <laughs> right. He does say, like, Wilma. Yeah, he yeah, makes character. He yeah. Wilma! I, I, I mean, 
Are you the spirit whose coming was foretold to me? I am the ghost of Christmas past. Long past? No, your past. That's going to happen a few times. But Mm -hmm. again, I can't wrap my head around the size of this set because Fred and Wilma are flying over what looks like a very large area. Mm -hmm. And here's where I first really noticed the translucency of the ghosts, because you can see that both Mr. Slate and Wilma. And when she tries to take Fred flying out the window, he's solid at first, hits a wall Mm. and then becomes less opaque and off they go. Right. On stage in front of the audience. Right. Talking dinosaur appliances. That never bothered me. How can we see (laughs) through you people? (laughs) So we're in Scrooge's past, and this play lets the narrator hand her the schoolhouse of Scrooge as a child while the curtain closes so Fred can change costumes. Because instead of getting a younger kid to play Scrooge as a boy, Fred has to change into a schoolboy outfit and play the part himself, looking like (laughs) Angus Young. (laughs) It's true. Except it's the Flintstones, so they probably would have called him something like Igneous Young. (laughs) (laughs) um it's true it's such a weird choice because we're gonna see fan in a second as i'm sure you're about to say we're gonna see fan scrooge's sister fan is in this dear brother ebenezer i've come to bring you home and she looks like she could be fred's daughter she does i'm not sure they don't give her they don't give the actor a name i thought it was feldspar at first but then i remembered no she was sick she has the bedrock bug. She has the bedrock bug, but uh, yeah. but whoever is playing Sister Fan, she plays another part later, and she's fine through this whole thing. Yeah, that's true. I guess Wilma can't be everyone. Like, I that's guess the, not. That's the thing. Well, and when we first see Fan on stage, Fred whispers, Pebbles? It's not Pebbles. Doesn't even look like Pebbles. She's not that young. Yeah, this kid is like, this kid is like 15. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> Wearing the the green pelt, though, so maybe that reminded Fred of Pebbles, and now maybe he's starting to realize how neglectful he's been. Yeah. There's a clever scene they added here after the young Scrooge and fan ride off for home of Fred hopping off the sleigh backstage and quickly changing back into his nightshirt and cap while Wilma's ghost of Christmas past is going on about how much Scrooge loved his sister and vowed never to love anyone again after she died. Yeah, it's good. And that brings us to Fezziwig's party. And Barney gets to play Fezziwig, too. Mm. Clear away, my lads, and let's have some room here. It's time to party. Well, that's actually something that I really love about this special is that it feels very genuinely community theater. That, yes, uh, a lot yeah. of a lot of the roles are double cast. Yeah. You know? Right. Um like I remember going to see uh uh It's a Wonderful Life mm. in Anoka, Minnesota at, at Lyric Arts in Anoka. And outside of like George and Mary and Clarence, even Clarence showed up as the teacher's husband who punches George in the bar. <laughs> like, <laughs> Um, but like, you know, uh, Harry Bailey was the same guy as Sam Wainwright or whatever, nice. you know, and, and, and I think he was Ernie the cop too. Like he just like show, come out with a different hat on and like doing a different voice. Right. That's it. It's like, it's part of the charm of, of community theater. You know, it is part of the charm. I love it. And it works here so well. Yeah. This time Barney's got a gray wig with a beard attached. And here they're doing the thing where they have Scrooge meet Belle at Fezziwig's party, which Mm -hmm. is not part of the original story. Right. Right. 
but v- very common in adaptations. I mean, it happens all the time. Right. Very right. common. It it feels natural, like that that we would see them meet and then break up. It does feel natural. But unfortunately for Miss Maggie, who's been looking forward for her big love scene. <laughs> she is so hot for Fred Flintstone. <laughs> so hot for Fred. There was one, I forget whether it was the Flintstones wiki or the Christmas specials wiki, but one of them said, it's implied that Fred may be having an extramarital affair with Maggie. I'm like, no, it's not. No. No. It's That's not. not true. It's just Maggie's got the hots for Fred and she no. wants to be in a love scene that doesn't exist. Yoo-hoo. See you in a few minutes, Scroogey, for our big love scene. Only in her dreams is Fred having an extra yeah. <laughs> Right. <laughs> but she doesn't get to have her big love scene. She's going to have to sit this one out because she too has fallen victim to the bedrock bug. That's four. Dropping like flies. Yeah, really. <laughs> Is she the one that almost throws up? Like no, that was um that was the first one. The, okay, okay. The ghost of Christmas past. Oh yeah, no, we see, yeah, Miss Feldspar. Because that's when my son said yabba dabba yuck. Okay. <laughs> was when she, yeah. <laughs> we hear Maggie off stage, like retching off stage. We can hear them all. <laughs> oh yeah. They spared us. <laughs> So Betty now has to signal to Wilma that she needs to fill in for another role. So she goes very quickly to get into costume. Meanwhile, Fred is so into his own role, he doesn't recognize his wife has taken over for Belle at first. They don't even look alike. No, nope. This isn't like a Betty and Veronica, same identical character design with different color hair situation. Like No, but Wilma fits into the outfit. So good for her. He's caught off guard and whispered, what happened to Maggie? And this time Wilma, who's already very angry with him, replies, oh, you'd rather do this scene with her instead of me? <laughs> and for good measure, steps on Fred's foot and tosses him around a bit while they're dancing. Wilma's got some raw power to toss around Fred like that. Yeah. Hiding some muscle underneath. <laughs> they add another scene here of young Ebenezer and Bell having a snowball fight they got all this snow on the set. Yeah. Might as well use it. I hope it's not also bird feathers. Yeah. It's cute, though. It's a, it's a nice moment. Yeah. And this is they added a scene where Scrooge takes out a very tiny ring and proposes. And oh, that must have been the love scene. Well, you marry me. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Pre- uh, Ebenezer, I love you. Yeah, that's the big love scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they had Maggie talk it up so much, they had to make one. Right. So so Fred and Wilma do share a kiss as Scrooge and Belle and walk together for a bit before we get to the final scene in Christmas Past, where Belle releases Scrooge from their contract. Wilma even continues her lines in tears off stage as the ghost of Christmas Past. Because she's feeling them. Yeah. I did love her. But you loved money and yourself more. And she leaves Fred all alone and devastated as the scene gets foggy and we transition back to Scrooge's bedroom before the curtain falls again for another intermission. And backstage, big dumb Fred asks Barney, what's eating Wilma? (laughs) (laughs) So it's up to Barney to explain, yeah, man, she's mad at you forgot pebbles. 
on top of being a selfish, self-centered Scrooge is the phrase they keep coming back to in this. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about that for a minute? Because I don't think that's what Scrooge means. I, they misuse the noun Scrooge in this. I don't think he's being a Scrooge. I think yeah. being a Scrooge is you're being greedy. Right. Right. And cranky. And yeah. And a killjoy. And yeah. So he is totally being selfish. And there's an aspect of selfishness to Scrooge for sure. But I feel like they're kind of forcing that uh, that descriptor on him a little bit. Right. Right. But he's not really being so much of a Scrooge as he is being a Ralph Cramden or a Fred Flintstone. Right. Hey. Exactly. Yeah. He's not super <laughs> out of character here. No. Right. Yeah. Ralph Cramden. Well, <laughs> and even here, he's still a who me. <laughs> right. Right. And he kisses his reflection in the mirror of the, of the green room. <laughs> Just to bring the point home. That was pretty great. (laughs) But he admits he should go talk to Wilma, but Betty won't even let him in the dressing room. Gives him a big shame on you. (laughs) But Barney tells Fred, don't worry, tomorrow's Christmas and Wilma probably won't still be mad by the time she's opening her presents. (laughs) And whoops. (laughs) That reminds Fred to go pick up his packages. Forgot to do it. So he runs out of the theater because this is apparently a 10-minute intermission between Christmas <laughs> past and present. Fred slips on another icy patch in front of the store. That's two. Gotta be careful of that icy patch. Every time. Mm-hmm. Only to find it's closed early for Christmas Eve, so Fred decides, well, time to break in through the window. <laughs> And he does and sets off a silent alarm, which is just a bird that goes shh and flies out the window. (laughs) And that's my favorite animal in this special. That's a pretty good one, too. (laughs) That's that's up there. That's great. Love it. So Fred rummages through the gift wrap station looking for his presents. They're not there. And now he thinks the kid stole them when suddenly someone calls out Scrooge from behind Fred. And it's a hooded figure whose hood starts to glow with a very bright light. Yeah, it's built into the costume. It's built into the costume and it walks toward Fred, who thinks it's the real deal ghost of Christmas yet to come out to get him. So he gets down in the corner and tells him, I'm not the man I was. Please don't hurt me. (laughs) And it's Officer Philo again. I guess he's in the play, too. Who isn't in this play? Stoney Curtis. (laughs) Stoney Curtis. (laughs) He's got a balcony seat. And Mark Rock. Yep. Yep. And Mark Rock, right. Exactly. The Kurt Rock family. <laughs> so Fred tries to explain he didn't steal anything, but before he can even get out a second sentence, Philo tells Fred, you can explain later. We got to get you back to the theater. Fred tries to explain to Wilma, but there's no time. He's on again, just in time to meet the ghost of Christmas present, who's played by Ernie the bell ringing Santa from earlier. <laughs> and Ernie is voiced by Brian Cummings. I am the ghost of Christmas present. <laughs> Come look upon me. I'm looking. I'm looking. I talked about him a few episodes back. He was a couple of voices in the claymation comedy of horrors I covered. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Probably best known to my generation as Dr. Mindbender from G.I. Joe. Mm. He was Bumble Lion on the Wuzzles. And he voices Monsters, Inc. Sully when Disney doesn't feel like paying John Goodman. 
Mm. So can I can I tell you the main thing that I know Brian Cummings from? Absolutely. It's warning. It's super obscure and dumb. Okay. And weird. So Brian Cummings used to do announcing for CBS in the 90s. Oh, yeah. For like children and family programming. Okay. And there's a special called Mr. Willoughby's Christmas Tree. Have you have you covered that? Oh, thing? I know Mr. Willoughby's Christmas Tree. Have you covered it on the show yet? No. It's it's on my to-do list. Please let me be on that one. You're in. Thank you. Good. Um, but yeah, so it's this Muppet special. It's not like the familiar Muppet characters, except Kermit narrate like hosts it, like he did, you know, Emmett Otter or whatever. Right. Uh and it's Steve Whitmire is Kermit in the special, but in a CBS promo. It's Brian Cummings going, oh. all, new, all new special with me, Kermit, oh, Wednesday. Hey, it's a Charlie Brown Christmas, followed by me, Kermit, and a great new holiday special with Robert Downey Jr. and Leslie Nielsen. Mr. Willoughby's Christmas tree all Wednesday. And I think about this all the time because it's it's not a good Kermit impression. No, it, it's it, not. I know exactly the one you're talking about. Yeah, that's 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 Brian Cummings, my friend. <laughs> Which I know because of, of of Muppet Wiki, and I'm sure my friend Andrew Leal is the one who who identified him because he's a brilliant voice chaser. Thank you, Andrew. Yeah. So, anyways, anytime I see Brian Cummings' name or hear his voice, it's ah, me, Kermit. <laughs> oh my goodness! Like for me, it's always Doctor Mindbender and Bumble Lion because I watched a lot of GI Joe and the Wuzzles. But oh my goodness, sure. now that I know that, that changes everything. <laughs> sure. Oh. Mm. Anyway, but uh, but he's a good looking ghost of Christmas present. This Ernie, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's a giant. He's, a, yeah. he's twice as tall as Fred. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like he's an enormous man. I had this on pause while I was typing notes, and for a minute I forgot this was supposed to be a cartoon starring cave people because Christmas present looks pretty darn genuine. He does, yeah. Well, and, and Brian Cummings is great here too. Like I think it's a good performance. Oh yeah, it's a it's a great performance and all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, in the Bountiful Harvest, now appearing in Scrooge's room, there's a bowl of candy canes. They're not usually there. Yeah. But I, yeah, I don't think they were around in 1843, but. Not as hooks. Sure. Yeah. yeah. They had red and white striped candy sticks, but. Candy sticks. Sure. Yeah. But obviously this special takes place 3000 years earlier. So does it though? <laughs> or, what, or whatever. Like it's fine. <laughs> I'll get, we'll get to that a little bit because that comes up with some lines later. But for now we go out into the world on Christmas morning. And here's another detail I don't see very often. The ghost of Christmas present brought his own special seasoning of Christmas spirit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dickens described it as a peculiar flavor the ghost sprinkles from his torch onto other people's dinners as they pass. Here it's in a salt shaker. Right, which is good. Um, but but that was one of the things I was amazed to see. From yeah. The book, right? They, right. They, they, they have the exchange about uh, to a poor one most of all. Right. Because it, it ne- because it needs it most. Yeah. 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 I love that line. I love seeing this dialogue. Along with Scrooge asking, then why do you leave them in such misery? I. And the ghost paraphrases here, but the message is the same. Many evils are done in the name of goodness, but deeds of pride, hatred, envy, bigotry, and selfishness must be attributed to their true perpetrators. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. Like, that's it's not holding back. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. I wish this dialogue showed up in more adaptations. Mm-hmm. I think it's important. Right. Agreed. And 
I was very pleased to see it here, even if it does serve to just make Fred wake up a little. Yeah. I also like because this is in a salt shaker, it gives the ghost an excuse to snack the whole time. Every <laughs> scene, he's got something to eat. Mm-hmm. Just looking on in the background with a banana peeled in his hand. <laughs> Ernie knows what's up. Yep. It's true. Moving on, we arrive at the Craggit residence, and hey, Betty finally appears on stage as Mrs. Craggit. And how did little Tim behave? As good as gold, and better. Along with Pebbles playing Martha Craggit. And even Dino gets a part in this play. They have a family dinosaur. Good for them. Mm -hmm. I don't know who's left not to be in the show to actually watch it, but... Right. We can at least say here that we can finally put to bed the old how are cave people celebrating Christmas debate because Bob Craggett comes home and tells his wife. He told me coming home that he hoped people saw him in the church because he was a cripple and it might be pleasant to them to remember on Christmas Day who made lame beggars walk and blind men see. He does. He says it. He says it. There it is. The Flintstones know about Jesus. They do. This is when my wife comes in at this point in the special and asks, so do they just live in the present in some kind of cosplaying commune? (laughs) (laughs) And and the answer is, of course, yes. Right. The the Flintstones takes place in the early 1960s. They're a modern Stone Age family. Yeah. Makes as much sense as any other answer. Right. And of course, there's that there's that fan theory that like Flintstones and the Jetsons take place at the same time. And <laughs> the Jetsons are the are the rich people who live in the sky and the Flintstones live on the ground in the rubble of the destroyed civilization or whatever. Oh, right. I kind of like that, actually. I don't mind that theory. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't mind the idea of that theory. I don't think like I didn't take classism uh, into account in that. It's just like that's one neighborhood and that's another. Yeah, right. They they do seem to have roughly similar standards of living. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's 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 1962 in both neighborhoods. It's, right. It's a middle class suburb in 1962. Right. Absolutely. Not everybody gets to have TV with a little dinosaur antenna. That's a luxury. Well, it's a it's a living. It's a living. <laughs> Speaking of that, it's dinner time and Mrs. Craggett has prepared a delicious Chickasaurus. It looks like a goose with little plates or scales on its back. (laughs) Bam Bam says his line again here. God bless us, everyone. The ghost sees a vacant seat in the poor chimney corner, throws the old surplus population line back at Scrooge. Oh, no kind spirit. Say he will be spared. So what if he dies? He'll just decrease the surplus population. Bob Craggett toasts the founder of the feast as usual, and Betty has no trouble wishing she had him here to give him a piece of her mind. (laughs) Even Dino gave some angry eyebrows at the thought of the founder (laughs) of the feast. Indeed, he takes direction well. That's true. Because there's no reason for Dino to be mad at Fred. That's acting. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. While Scrooge and the Ghost tornado out of the Craggett's house and over to Nephew Ned's where they're playing charades. Charades in this one. Yeah, I, I enjoy that. It's like yes and no with less talking. This is one of my favorite scenes in A Christmas Carol. Yes. The Nephew Fred party scene where it's like 
hey, everybody, let's play a guessing game. The answer is that my uncle's a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes, he's still the butt of the joke, but he takes it better than we usually see him and says, oh, they included me in their front. Yeah. Right. Which I, which is I laughed at. Yeah. Well, it's a good reminder that Scrooge in the original text wasn't so displeased there either. Right. I'm so used to Michael Caine and others getting their feelings hurt. But Dickens wrote, I have it. Uncle Scrooge had imperceptibly become so gay and light of heart. So to see Fred's portrayal match that and not wanting to leave the party was well done. Mm. Yeah. And it appears whoever played Scrooge's sister fan earlier is now also playing Ned's wife. So there's another double casting there. Well, and, and, and they comment on it, right? They do. Yes. Fred says like she she resembles my sister. She yeah. looks like my sister. Right. Yeah. But the ghost's time upon this globe is over and the nearby clock tower rings midnight along with a little pterodactyl cuckoo bird squawking like a parrot. It's midnight. <laughs> and Scrooge is left in the presence of the ghost of Christmas yet to come. And I knew who it was immediately because I saw the little nub in the back of the robe where a tail goes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. And also because I remembered that Cocoa Pebbles commercial where it was Dino under the robe there. Sure. <laughs> well, because my my daughter, who is a very observant kid normally, she's eight years old. Okay. She was just like, oh, it's the it's the police officer. And I'm like, is it though? <laughs> she goes, why are you saying it like that? <laughs> and, and I was like, well, you'll see. And she goes, she looks at me and she goes. Is it though? That means it's not. <laughs> Who is it? And I'm just like, I'm just like, I was just wait and see. And, if you don't and, see it, I'm not telling you. Yeah. And and she didn't like until she laughed when it was Dino and like she didn't notice until then. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. It's supposed to be the officer, but yeah, I guess he's our fifth bedrock bug victim. Yeah. They, they do say that, right? They said like they do. They, they say that at the end. But Yeah. So let's peer into Christmas future and someone who looks like Mr. Slate, but I don't believe is Mr. Slate is playing the businessman who informs us someone's dead because it's a different voice. Yeah, but I think that's supposed to be him, right? Like it's that it's that same it's that community theater spirit, you know, maybe Mr. Slate just does voices. Yeah, I thought he'd never die. I wonder who he left all his money to. We skip old Joe's at first, and first we go to the lifeless corpse on the bed, a scene I was not expecting to see on the cartoon for families. Well, and there's a there's like a weird close-up of his big toe. Yeah, yes! I spent a lot of time on that toe. Like an extreme. <laughs> and it's important, right? For a long time. Like, yeah. Yeah, Scrooge like- is begging the ghost to take him anywhere else, and he's got a whole line here, but the camera's like, look at this dead guy's toe. Right. Weird. And then we cut to old Joe's where we get another close up on some gold cufflinks monogrammed with ES to see if that'll give you a hint. It doesn't give Scrooge a hint, or at least he won't admit to it. Mm. But old Joe sounded familiar to me. You didn't take him down at rings and all with him lying there, did you? It's Howard Morris. Yeah, it sure is. A.K.A. Ernest T. Bast from the Andy Griffith show. Oh, nice. Right. Well, and of course, at, at around this time, he was he was Wade the Duck on Garfield and Friends. Wade Duck. That was the, yeah. the voice I was like, this guy sounds familiar. Oh, he did Wade Duck. I hear it. Yeah, he's he's basically doing that voice here. That. Yeah. Somewhere in between that. He was also Jughead. He is also. Do you know what? Uh, do you know what Legend of the Superheroes is? 
Oh, yeah. You know I do. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. He plays Dr. Savannah. He plays oh. Captain Marvel's arch enemy in Legend of the Superheroes. The, okay. The, the weird late 70s TV special. Yeah. He was a lot of voices. He was a lot of voices on the Flintstones alone on the on the original run. Just additional voices. And yeah. the Jetsons, including Jet Screamer. <laughs> oh, yeah. He was Jet Screamer. Yeah. He was Jet Screamer. And he was he was the voice of Adam Ant for a long time. Oh, right. Yeah. I love Adam Ant. But Scrooge, of course, asks to see tenderness connected to a death. And off we go to the poor Craggots. And Barney's quiet, solemn voice really sells the gravity of Tiny Tim's death here. I wish you could have gone, dear. It would have done you good to see what a pretty place it is. But you'll see it. I promised him that I'd walk there on Sundays. Oh, poor Tiny Tim. Yeah. No wonder he didn't really get too mad when Fred told him he wasn't taking this seriously. Barney knows what's up. Yeah. Right. <laughs> practicing. And then we go to our final stop on Christmas yet to come as we see Tiny Tim's headstone, which just says Tiny Tim. Yeah, that's weird. It it sh- I mean, like we know his last name. <laughs> right. It's not it's- there. It should say Tim Craggett. Like, Tim Craggett or Timothy Craggett if he's a Timothy. Right. Yeah. Just tiny Tim. Yeah. If you know, you know, I guess. But it's, it's like if someone put their Twitter name on their headstone. Right. <laughs> Before we see Scrooge's grave, did you happen to catch some of the other names on headstones in the background? Mm-mm. They are names from other Dickens stories. Really? Oh, is that right? There was one for Uriah Heep from David Copperfield. Okay. There was one labeled Lady Haversham from Great Expectations, sweet, but it was sweet. it was spelled Haversham. Mm. But whatever. Uh, and then one was labeled Ada Jellybee, which is taken from two different characters in Dickens' novel Bleak House. Yeah. Interesting. That's cool. That was just an interesting touch that they didn't need to do. Right. Right. A fun Easter egg for those of us that decided to hit pause. Right. And interesting that they didn't like Stone Ageify him. Yeah, they didn't. That it's not Miss Havishale or, no, <laughs> or whatever, they, you know? Yeah. Man, that's right there, too. Yeah. But Scrooge tells the ghost he's not the man he was. And I've got to say, Fred was more convincing with that line back at the gift wrap department. It's true. <laughs> he was feeling it. Yeah. It's fine, but it actually fades out here before we re-enter Scrooge's bedchamber. And I thought, did they go to commercial here? And I tracked down one of those recordings in the VHS vault on the Internet Archive. And yes, they did go to commercial there. Weird choice. Yeah. Cut back to Paul and Annabelle telling us how to make Roxy <laughs> yeah, pudding. Well, I guess it's done by them. I guess that's the last break. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Santa's delivering them presents. Actually, <laughs> I know because I just watched it. Nice. So. <laughs> and then we cut back. It's morning and Fred Flintstone saying, I'm as light as a feather in his Fred Flintstone accent, warming my heart. <laughs> oh, I'm light as a feather. I'm as happy as an angel. A Merry Christmas to everybody. So the kid he made shovel a path to his door earlier yeah. is the same kid who shouts. He shouts out the window tube. And before he can even ask, what's today? The kid pelts him with a snowball. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I guess I had that coming. Or whatever. Yeah, really. laughs it off. But he was also the kid from the the gift wrap line. Yes. yes. Right. OK. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But it was cute that the kid was kind of like 
ticked off at him still. Like, yeah. sure. Yeah, I like that. I like that they added those lines for him. Well, I, I just think that's maybe why Scrooge gives him two giant bags of money. <laughs> he sure does. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of just giving him five shillings or whatever it is. Just tosses him. Yeah. And there's more where that comes from later because yeah. he, he now has this kid doing some odd jobs later. But for now, upon learning it's Christmas Day, Fred can't help himself. He lets out a yabba dabba ow and bumps his head on the window. Oh. Yep. Sends the boy to get the prize turkey Saurus, the one that's as big as him. And has it taken the Bob Craggots? Then Scrooge runs into our solicitors on the street, but one of them is now Wilma because we've got another bedrock bug victim. Yeah. We even hear him throwing up off stage. <laughs> and this is the one that throws Fred completely off his game because he assumes this solicitor is now actually Belle, the character. So now he and Wilma are caught having to ad-lib a huge chunk of this scene. We had nothing further to discuss. Nothing to discuss? But we haven't spoken to each other for, it seems like, years. I'm a changed man, Wilma. Uh, Belle? Of course you're a changed man. It's in the script, Scrooge. To the point where the narrator is backstage complaining, none, none of, of this, this is, is in my script. script, and he walks off. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> Which is funny. Um, can I tell you a tidbit that I learned in researching the book for my podcast? Sure. So one of there were three theatrical adaptations of A Christmas Carol okay. that premiered six weeks after the book was published. Wow. There were wow. three different ones in London. Huh. Six weeks later. And in one of them, Belle, the Belle character, I think she might have a different name, actually comes back at the end and reunites with Scrooge. Okay. That so that happened in a stage production six weeks after the book came out. Wow. wow. Yeah. So it also happens here in Simpsons <laughs> Christmas Carol. Yeah. I don't think I have ever seen it happen before, or not one that I'm remembering. Uh-uh. Me either. And it's it's a weird thing because it, like knowing that she's supposed to be one of the solicitors and she's still angry at him. So basically you're having the solicitors like blow him off. Yeah, it's weird. Like he's like trying to give them you know make up and give the money they end up taking the money but they still kind of like don't really even thank him or yeah wilma just says thank you mr scrooge merry christmas and moves on yeah yeah and kind of a snotty thank you it's not really like a yeah like wilma has like let her emotions get the better of her right right and scrooge invites bell to his nephews for christmas dinner and bell asks is he anything like you more like the man I used to be and hope to be again. And I guess Wilma realizes, kind of remembers herself at this point, goes along with him to get the play moving and get to the end. Yeah. So they go to Fred's. The Craggots get a delivery of a massive turkey saurus. And we cut to Scrooge's counting house as he pretends to angrily wait for Bob Craggot to show up late, looking at his sundial pocket watch. <laughs> The big reveal's a bit different, so Scrooge doesn't shout, and therefore I'm about to raise your salary. Instead, he tells Craggit, I tell you I won't stand for it, Craggit. You, you won't, sir? Absolutely not. From now on, you should be married the whole year. <laughs> and points up to a very large sign now draped onto his building <laughs> that reads, Scrooge and Craggit. Low interest loans and affordable housing. <laughs> he had the snowball kid paint and hang up a big sign by himself. Yeah, yeah right. 
And he, he stuck in the, uh, there are a great many back payments uh, in this part. Yes. Too. Yeah. He says that right. to Bob, not to the, the solicitors. Well, that's what they get for blowing them off. Yeah, it actually kind of makes sense. I think if Fred had that line that he was supposed to say earlier and he couldn't because the scene got blown, he's just going to insert it here. Right. Stick <laughs> it here. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Well, yeah. It, it stuck in his head somehow. So he had to, he had to get it out. Right. But now this poor kid has to cross out the sign and start over after Bob asks, can we call it Craggin and Scrooge? <laughs> <laughs> and here's where the whole cast gathers on stage for a final scene. Fred immediately runs over to Wilma and Pebbles and gives them a big hug. The narrator comes back for his final paragraph about how Scrooge was better than his word. And the rest of the cast hoists up Scrooge on their shoulders. And so, as Tiny Tim observed, and oh no, poor Bam Bam now suddenly has stage fright right at the end. Oh. So Pebbles crawls over and delivers his line for him. God bless us, everyone! In adorable Russie Taylor baby talk. It's pretty cute. It is. Bam Bam does say it later at the end as everyone's leaving, but for now the audience cheers, the curtain falls, and so does Fred, because everyone who just hoisted them up on their shoulders immediately let go and lets him drop. Yeah. And all of a sudden, even the two little ones give him a humph face for being such a Scrooge, they all tell him. (laughs) Fred insists to Wilma he understands what's really important now. You and Pebbles and Barney and Betty, to which Barney gives him an awe, Fred. And I wanted them to say, happy holidays, pal. (laughs) But Wilma's still not having it. Off Fred nothing, she says. She wants to know where this sudden burst of Christmas spirit came from. And Fred shows just how serious he's being by inviting Wilma to talk about it over Christmas dinner with her and Pebbles and Wilma's mother. Wow. That's how she knows Fred's serious. He's making peace offerings to his mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. Something Fred never does. Right. He, he hates his mother-in-law. If there's one person Fred hates, it's Pearl Slaghoople. That's right. <laughs> And he almost makes it out of the special on a high note, but it's curtain call time. So Fred's response to hearing the cheers of the audience is, wow, they really loved me. Oh, Fred. The curtain goes back up as we pan across the stage at the whole cast. And even with so many sick cast members, it's a huge cast. Yeah. Someone tosses flowers to the narrator who says, these belong to the real star of the show. And Fred immediately steps forward and says, gee, thanks, before, (laughs) of course, he hands them to Wilma, the real miracle worker of the night. Right. Mm -hmm. Everyone takes a final bow. And before the curtain closes one last time, the falling snow feathers from the birds above the curtain cause a mammoth backstage to sneeze which blows Fred into the orchestra pit and into a tuba that's also a Venus flytrap, which spits him back out. Pretty good. Michael, you saw this on IMDb. Apparently the voice of the Venus flytrap tuba going, yeah, was Rip Taylor. (laughs) Yeah, apparently. Yeah. (laughs) But that's as far as the play goes. The rubbles now take their leave. As Barney said, he's got presents to put under the tree, and this really upsets Fred now. But before he can explain this to Wilma, 
here comes the kid with the snowballs in the play. We mentioned that he was also the kid in line at the at the department store for gift wrapping who Fred asked to get his gifts wrapped for him. So here he comes with all of Fred's wrapped packages. Yeah, it's kind of weird that he had time to do that when he was also in the play. Yeah, well, I guess his scene comes a little later, so he yeah. was afforded a little more time. It's also a little weird. I think Fred bought like two presents, but there's like six packages. Oh, yeah, there's a whole stack of them. He only bought the two. Three, if you like wrap the necklace separately. Right, right. So Fred tells his family, let's go home. And before he can even finish the word to celebrate. Uh, well, ma, I don't feel so good. His face flushes green because Fred went and caught the bedrock bug. Wah, wah. Surprised Wilma didn't get sick, especially considering she yeah. had to put on a bunch of sick people's costumes. <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> I guess she's asymptomatic, but luckily for Fred, Wilma says the bedrock bug only lasts for about 24 hours, so he'll feel better just in time for her mother's Christmas dinner. And that's where we ended, folks. A whirlwind of a story that ended up making the main character sick. (laughs) True. Well, any final thoughts on a Flintstones Christmas Carol? I'm pretty impressed with the adaptation like we were saying, like, you know, there are bits in this that don't usually get put into adaptations, especially adaptations this short. And then when you consider that, you know, so much of the runtime is not even the Christmas Carol story, but these other events happening around it, like uh, there's not a lot of time for the Christmas Carol. And yet it's still like so faithful. Like it gets pretty, pretty incredible. I agree. Um you know, as as we've discussed, this was a weirdly productive time for the Flintstones as a franchise. Yeah. And it's also only two years after Muppet Christmas Carol, which I mean, I'm biased as I as we've said, well, I sure. host a podcast about the Muppets. But I think even if you don't, it's one of the most beloved adaptations yeah. of, mm-hmm. of of a Christmas Carol that there are. And maybe that wasn't true at the time. I think it was a lot less true in 1994 than it is now. Um, but still. It was like Mickey's wasn't that old, you know, as, as we discussed, mm-hmm. uh, it's only 11 years. And so like, there doesn't really need to be a Flintstones Christmas Carol in 1994. No, no one's begging for it. <laughs> but given that it's a lot better than it needs to be. Like it is going into this. I was kind of expecting to, to be like, well, this is nothing. And no, I don't, it's pretty good. Like I said, I saw it several times as a kid and a high schooler in, in college or whatever. You know, I, I, I in college, I spent a lot of time sitting around in my dorm room watching Christmas specials. So sure, that's the that's what the cool kids do, right? Um, <laughs> I hope so. But so, I, but I hadn't seen this in a while, and yeah, it's a lot better than I than I remembered. So good for them. Yeah, it's not one I watch every year, but it is fun to revisit every time I do. And it's always fun to compare with those other adaptations. And every time I'm surprised at how true to the story a lot of it was and how much they managed to pack in there, even with this wrapping element of it being a play and the bedrock bug and everything that goes along with it. But yeah, but it stands out as its own thing with its own extra layer, which 
I think they didn't really need to make Fred quite that much of an egomaniac. I don't think Fred was ever quite that self-centered in the show, but fine. After all, it is the honeymooners. So great. But thank you both for slagging through this version of a Christmas Carol with me. (laughs) (laughs) This was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. Always, always love talking Christmas Carol. Well, if people want to send you a turkey saurus the size of a small child, where can they find you on the internet, Michael? Uh, Twitter is still the best place uh, right now. Uh, I'm at Michael May Comics, comics spelled with an X. Um, I also host a show called After Lunch, uh, which you can find on Twitter at After Lunch Podcast. Um, or our website for that show is AfterLunchPodcast.net. And Anthony. So I'm mostly off of public social media now, um, but I am at toughpigs.com. I write for them. That's a Muppet fan site. And I, as I've mentioned, I think too many times in this podcast, probably, no. uh, I co-host a podcast for Tough Pigs called Moving Right Along, a Muppet movie podcast, where we watch the Muppet movies two minutes at a time. And we have made it through the first four movies through Muppet Christmas Carol. and. We also did a mini season on Muppet Family Christmas. Yes. Which is a show that I know you've covered. And I think we, we've talked about this when, when uh, my friend Becca and I were on here mm-hmm. about Elmo Saves Christmas not too long ago. But uh, I do think if you want to hear like a real deep dive into a Christmas special, uh, we released those every day. We kind of we kind of followed your style on that, on that one, Mike. We released it every day during December 1st through 24th. Uh, and so it's 24 episodes on Muppet Family Christmas and why it's the greatest Muppet thing ever made and the greatest Christmas special ever made. So. <laughs> really? It, it it was it was such a great deep dive and, and they hit everything that I hit, but but better, but more. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, well, I, I mean, most of that episode of my show was just us. I wanted to count how many Muppets are in that farmhouse. <laughs> it was me and our friend Carlin, and we counted, I think, 105, 104, somewhere around there was wow. our was our final tally. So that sounds right because yeah, it's it's yeah, so many. It's, it's a lot. They brought out they brought out Spanish Oscar Osvaldo El Grunion. <laughs> That's true. I said I've I've I said this on our podcast, but my thing about Muppet Family Christmas has always been that I imagine Jerry Jewell finishing the script, stepping away from the typewriter and saying, Alexander wept, for there were no more worlds to conquer. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's his masterpiece. It, I mean, is. it really, it really is. is. It so is. <sighs> Anyways. Speaking of things that are way better than they ought to be but I'm glad that they are as good as they are. That will put a bow on another Christmas in July season. Thank you so, so much for listening. Uh, And if you haven't listened to Moving Right Along or After Lunch, those links are in the show notes of this episode. You can find every episode of the Advent Calendar House located conveniently at adventcalendar.house. So mark your calendars next time for November 1st. We're doing Christmas podcast day again. I'm not sure what my friends and I have cooked up for that, but that's a thing that's happening. So stay tuned for that. For now, for Anthony Strand and Michael May, from a cavernous stage that's bigger on the inside, which now that I think about it, explains a lot about the wibbly wobbly nature of time in this universe. 
This is Mike Westfall saying you got two warnings about watching the Icy Patch in this special. This is your third. Have a Merry Christmas in July, y'all. Wait, we're not done. This year, Christmas Eve falls on a Scrooge Sunday, and I want your help choosing which adaptation of A Christmas Carol to cover. I've narrowed it down to four different TV movies, and I just couldn't decide on my own, so I'm putting it to a vote. Find the link in the show notes of this episode, or go to linktree.com slash adventcalendarhouse to vote. Should I cover A Christmas Carol from 1982, the animated movie from Australia said to be one of the most faithful adaptations out there. The 1984 version starring George C. Scott the 1999 version starring Patrick Stewart, or the 2004 musical starring Kelsey Grammer. Vote now through September 30th, and the Christmas Carol with the most votes gets the Scrooge Sunday treatment next season on Christmas Eve. Thanks again. Talk to you all in November. November.